chapter 1. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So I'm going to be honest with you. I really struggled coming together with this message for you today, and it's rare that I have sermon block this badly. I spent hours over this past week poring over our readings, I read through commentaries on our texts, on baptism, on the Holy Spirit, and I prayed and prayed for the Holy Spirit to breathe something, anything, into me. Praying for some inspiration to bring God's word to you today. And I had no idea why this message was so difficult, because honestly, I love our readings today. They're fantastic. In Genesis 1, we are reminded of God's creative and incredible light in our world. In all this cosmos, it's God who began it all. And I love that in the original Hebrew, when it says, a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, that word wind can also mean breath or spirit. I love the imagery of God's spirit sweeping over the waters of earth just before God declares light into existence. It's a reminder to me that this Holy Spirit has been part of God's creative work in heaven and earth since the very beginning. It's this beautiful imagery of God's breath, of God's spirit. And then as we move into our reading from Acts, I realize that we don't always recognize the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like the disciples Paul finds in Ephesus, we sometimes act as though we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. When Paul asks these disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers, he's not trying to presume that their experience of faith is exactly like his. It doesn't appear as though Paul has any judgment against their response to him. He simply asks, did you receive? And they replied, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Paul doesn't scold them for not knowing about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't try to teach them a full class on catechism right there. The catechism didn't exist yet, that's why. But Paul doesn't try to make them feel inferior or wrong about their experience of faith. He just asks, asks them more questions. He asks them, well, into what then were you baptized? When they tell him into John's baptism, Already Paul is painting a picture of their faith journey, of the experiences that they must have had. These weren't disciples who followed Jesus through his life and ministry. They may not have been present at his death and were likely not witnesses to the resurrection. They weren't there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down over the apostles. 
Like Paul, they had been on the outside of the traditional path to faith in Jesus. They had likely heard about Jesus from John as he was preaching in the wilderness. They probably heard news of Jesus' healing and miracles and wondered if he was the one that John spoke of. Maybe they heard of Jesus' death and resurrection and believed the stories. And maybe they were unsure of what to do next with their newfound beliefs. Maybe they had been part of the growing church in Ephesus, but were unsure of where to begin. Maybe they had experienced something new in this faith, but were unable to name it. These disciples were believers, but were not aware of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so when Paul shares with them the gospel, he opens their eyes. These disciples were baptized by John in the River Jordan, confessing their sins, listening to him speak of the one who is to come. And as soon as they are told that the one who is to come is, in fact, Jesus, they are baptized in his name. And in this baptism, Paul lays his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon these disciples who were totally unaware of the Spirit's existence just a few minutes ago. As they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they experience an enlightenment. They received gifts of speaking in tongues and prophesying. And I think this is where I start to struggle with the text a bit. Because I wonder, are we like these disciples? How do we respond to opinions and questions like Paul's? We might not be asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit? But what about our responses to questions like, are you aware of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you open to the Spirit? Have you been filled with or guided by the Spirit? These are all questions that come up in any Bible study you might do. But what does it look for you, look like for you right now in your life today to experience the breath, the Spirit of God? How might we as disciples respond to Paul's question? Maybe I struggle with this message because I know that many of us would hear Paul's question and know that, yeah, sure, most of us who are here in church have heard of the Holy Spirit, but maybe we're not sure if we've ever felt it. Maybe we can't remember the last time we felt the Holy Spirit in our lives, and maybe that's a scarier admission than a lack of knowledge. And maybe I'm struggling with this message because I know that everyone experiences the Holy Spirit so differently. Because I can stand here and tell you that I've experienced the Spirit in my life not in any way like the disciples did. I have never experienced the gift of tongues or prophecy. I'm kind of grateful for that. But rather for me, my experience of the Holy Spirit is a sense of presence. For me, when I feel as though I have received the Holy Spirit, it's a sense that for just one small moment, I'm not alone. And so because my experience is so different from the disciples in the story of Acts, I, I struggle a little bit relating to them. But theirs is not the only experience we're given today. Jesus' experience of the Holy Spirit is very different than mine as well. The disciples in Acts were baptized by John in the River Jordan, confessing their sins, listening to him speak of the one who is to come. And maybe they weren't there the day that John said the one who is to come would baptize them with the Holy Spirit, since they hadn't heard of it. Maybe they just weren't listening very carefully. And maybe they weren't there, there the day that Jesus came to the water. Because on that day, everything changed. In Jesus' baptism, the world changed. When Mark tells us that the heavens were torn open as Jesus came out of the water, the Gospel writer is showing us that whatever separation we understood existed between us and God, between God's kingdom and earth, is torn open by Jesus. 
the separation between God and the world was torn apart. And in this tearing, Jesus was the first in our New Testament text to receive the Holy Spirit. And for him, it didn't result in the gift of speaking tongues. The Gospel doesn't tell us that Jesus suddenly felt some sort of presence. For Jesus, the Spirit descends on him and he hears a voice. A voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, the most loved, with you I am well pleased. For Jesus, in his, in his baptism, his receiving of the Spirit was a reception of complete and total love. And Jesus spent the remainder of his life and death bringing this love into the world. Jesus shared this love in his ministry through healing, feeding, and being the presence that is needed by those around him. Jesus shared this love on the cross. Jesus goes to the cross to bring us the gift of forgiveness of our sin, to bring us the presence of God in our lives. Jesus rises from the dead to make us new in our baptisms in his name, to adopt us, to tell each and every one of us, you, my child, are beloved, you are mine, you are loved, you are a child of God, and maybe that's the real reason I struggle with this message today, because Jesus' baptism is so big, so explosive, so love-filled, it's hard to know where to even begin. I struggled with the different experiences of the Holy Spirit, with the imagery of breath and wind from God, with the gifts that the disciples are given in Acts, and my own experience of God's presence. And honestly, sometimes the voice from heaven is a real struggle to hear that this spirit-filled Jesus shares with us this same belovedness, that Jesus takes any of our unworthiness and all of our failures and calls us God's children. This world is forever changed, the heavens torn apart so that we can be aware of God's love for us and for the entire earth, so that you can be open to the Spirit's work in your life, so that you can be filled with the love and mercy and forgiveness that Jesus brings you, and you can be guided by this Holy Spirit to share this love and mercy and forgiveness with those you meet. In God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, this world is changed. You are changed. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.